تفضل مولانا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته جزاكم الله خير everyone for joining us we apologize for the delayed start today but the time for Aisha has been changing and we've been sort of working around the time for Aisha and the masjid بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسولنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد 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 لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله أيها الله صلى الله عليه وسلم purify all of our intentions, uh, myself, Sheikh Yasser, Sheikh Usama, and all the attendees, I ask Allah SWT, uh, make our intentions purely for His sake and that He makes us uh, time spent together, time that will count for us on the Day of Judgment and on the day that we meet Him. I ask Allah SWT, make this time heavy on our scales on the Day of Judgment. I ask Allah SWT, allows us all to benefit from this time and that He makes us a time of ibadah and of hearts growing together and closer towards Him uh, and closer to, closer to one another. And I pray that Allah Taala fills this time and this uh, program with His barakah and that He makes it uh, meaningful uh, for us and for everyone um, who is joining us across the web. Um, as always, um, if you're on Facebook Live, inshallah, feel free to add your comments and your questions. Um, and we'll do our best to integrate them um, into our conversation today. Um, it's always a blessing for me to be with uh, my beloved Shiyukh, Sheikh Yasser and Sheikh Usama. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh to both of you. Wa alaikum assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. So the last two times that we spoke uh, a few weeks ago, um, we spoke for two weeks on the reality of abuse um, and oppression. Um, and there was a lot that we shared about um, understanding and accepting uh the fact that oppression is a reality that Allah SWT puts in this world. Um, and as an extension of that, I think we could, I think many of us came away with the understanding that uh, this life is a life of trials. It's going to be a life of <clears throat> blessings and difficulties. It's going to be a trial of sweet things and bitter things. Um, and so naturally all of us, uh, the three of us who are um, on screen and everyone listening in currently and who will listen in, um, at this moment in our lives, we may find things that um, fill us with joy, fill us with a sense of positivity, fill us with a sense of happiness and hope um, and good thoughts. And we can also find things that may make us um, worry, give us anxiety, give us concern. Um, and for some of us, uh, one may completely overwhelm the other. Um, and in today's day and age, in fact, I think there's a subculture of a lot of people feeling significantly more anxiety and concern and worry and despair. Um, many of it, or much of it, I should say, I think is very real. Um, and some of it is just perhaps um, produced by the, the push of culture and the push of online conversation, uh, especially if you're engaged regularly in reading uh, social media these days, it's very easy to go down a rabbit hole of negativity um, and uh, despair and thinking that the world is constantly on fire um, both home and abroad like both in the U.S. and outside the U.S. Um, and so there, there can be a real sense among many of us that um, all is lost um, 
And I actually know, I mean, I know many of, I know Sheikh Yasser and Sheikh Osama and I have all had this conversation in the past that it does actually feel quite often that we're in the end of times. Um, and quite a lot of times when people hear that or say that, what they mean, um, the context of what they're trying to say is that life has gotten to feel so negative uh, for believers and so full of evil um, that uh, it feels like there's not going to be an end in sight. Um, and so it must be the end of times because there's just no hope that we're going to see this turn around. Um, and so we wanted to strike up a conversation um, to bring the pendulum back a little bit uh, from that understanding and really discuss uh, the two realities that a, a human being really travels this world with. And that is one of hope, which is a very powerful human emotion and human ambition, and that uh, sense of despair and anxiety and worry uh, that can take over um, uh, people in their lives. And so um, we want to spend some time today going over the wisdoms that our religion teaches us about balancing these two. Um, and I'm just going to start the conversation off there. I mean, how would, uh, if I was to ask the question, how are we supposed to balance between the two of them? What, what is the, what is the Quranic or the prophetic injunction towards this? Um, you know, wh where would either one of our two beloved shiuls start that conversation? I want to ask Sheikh Hussam a question first before we get to that. Go for it. It's um, why does someone uh, despair? Like where 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 does that come from? Like where? Why would a person hope? Why would a person feel hope? And why would a person despair? Zakallah khair, Sheikh Yasser. You know, Barakallah fiq. You know, I um, I think there's a number of factors that could play into that. But I think, you know, one of the big things uh, that I think goes on inside is the person just gets so bogged down with the different things that happen in his or her life in various capacities of their relationships and interactions uh, that they just get to a point where they don't see light at the end of the tunnel. They don't see a way out. Um, they just see darkness and negativity. And I, I guess that's a scary place to be in, you know, but I think that's definitely one of the factors that plays into it. When one doesn't have a source of hope or a source, a source of light um, and guidance, then, you know, uh, there's, you know, it becomes difficult to keep on dealing with the toxicity that might be in that person's life. I don't know what you would say to that, Molana. No, I'm just, I guess I'm trying to, I mean, also I want to hear what Sazaid has to say. I, I, you know, when we, we talk, we, we talk a lot about hope and fear and, and there's so much to be said about the virtues of hope and the virtues of fear, because they can both, the two of them can both be very positive, meaningful things. And they can also both be, uh, uh, negative things there's there is such a thing as a blameworthy form of hope um, and there's also a blameworthy form of fear so I, i'm just i'm trying to i guess help us contextualize this discussion of hope and fear um and i'm i'm genuinely asking like i don't i mean i have some thoughts but i i want to see what you know what bring what brings us into a place of of despair um, of anxiety, what brings us into a place of, 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 of genuine hope? I mean, what facilitates that? 
what instigates that? I don't know, Zayd, if you have something you want to no, share. I mean, I can only really, I think every person can really answer this almost exclusively from their own experience. Because um, I can't tell what people really feel inside other than myself. But I, I can tell you, you know, in the moments in my life where I've uh, been on the brink of despair, I felt a sense of despair. It's after a prolonged period of negative um, thinking and negative self-talk and no um, action, like no, no attempt to change. Like I, I don't do anything to change the thing that's making me feel bad to begin with. So if it's something about myself that I don't like and I just keep sort of picking on myself and I don't actually try to make a change and that continues for a prolonged period of time, the my thinking and my my emotions would devolve to a point where it just begins to feel like it's hopeless right um or if it's something in the world some condition that i see around me right like if if i was to sit down and start recounting the history of Palestine or you know whatever you know you might want to or the, the fact that you know we've been doing like some of us feel this when we were engaged in masjid work like i've been doing this work for 20 years now i've been doing at the caps at the masjid, I come give talks, I sit with the shabab, I do everything I can. And it just feels like, you know, every time I come, I get the same questions, I see the same problems, the same youth are falling into the same issues. And it just feels like we're going backwards. So there's a sense of negative talk. And there's a, a prolonged period of no positive action or, or um, really reconsideration of what can I do. Uh, those two things normally coalesce to a point where I just feel like my hands, I just want to throw up my hands, I want to give up. Um, and on the flip side, I, I have felt my most hopeful at times when things may still, like something that I want to change hasn't been changed yet, but I, I've taken action. Like I've taken some serious action to try and change it. And I can notice maybe something incremental has happened. Um, and so my, my mentality shifts. And, and in moments where there's that extreme hope, you, you feel the exact opposite. You feel like you can walk through walls. Um, yeah. And I can, I can will the world to change if I want to. And nothing, you know, there's no necessarily even like marked, markedly like evident difference yeah. between your reality. But I, I think it's, it's the disposition of the person yes. that, that really makes or breaks, yes, know. you know, the idea of hope and fear. It's not necessarily that my circumstances may have changed uh, exceptionally or evidently the context is pretty much the same but i think i think hope and fear are i mean you call them very powerful emotions they're a function of you know how i'm how i've positioned myself how i how i'm thinking how i'm talking to myself what i'm doing um you know it, the very simple practical uh you know acts words behaviors that I'm in, in, imbued with that will, you know, really be the, the critical shift in my disposition, my attitude. Hmm. Um, and I, I feel like that's because I agree. I mean, when I think of despair, you know, you're a hundred, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's just when, when I get into that really negative place in my mind um, and I, and I, and I carry these burdens, these emotional burdens, these expectations, um, these stories, I have this idea of myself, of what I'm going to be and what I should have, um, where, 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 where I should be in my life right now, whether it's, it's financially or socially or relationships, 
um, the expectations I have for my children as they are, um, uh, you know, or, or to just, you know, to see the world as it is and to see the hardship that you see happening in different parts of the world and you're, you're, you're really pained by it and you see it happening and you see nothing changing and you feel yourself not able to change anything. So it's a, it's a deeply vicious cycle. But if we, if, we, if we synthesize it properly, it's really what's something that's going on here. And so I, I, guess, I, I guess what, I'm, what, I'm, what I, the, I, you know, in, in, the, in the space of just trying to diagnose this, I, I, want us, I want us to think about, or at least in my mind, what I'm trying to process or think about is, you know, where, where is the locus of hope and fear? Because I, you know, in a very roundabout way, what I'm trying to get to is I feel like so often, we attach hope and fear to circumstances, to context. And hope and fear are really not attached to circumstance and context. Hope and fear are things that are, um, are, 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 are they're, they're, they're emotional states. And in many ways, they're choices that we, we, we choose to uh, paths, like mental, emotional paths that we choose to go on to get our place into a point of hope and fear. I don't know. Anyway, I, I don't know if that's clear, but... No, no, just... it's clear, Mulana. Zakla khair, yani, um, I, and I guess in a way, uh, uh, you know, being an optimistic person slash hopeful person or being pessimistic uh, or leaning towards despair is a state of mind. Uh, I think it's a culmination of a person's failures in dealing with so many different things that unfold in his or her life. You know, when you, ju- when you just think of that ayah, um, uh, you know, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَدْ We mm. created people within turmoil, within difficulty, within, um, you, know, you know, a very, uh, you know, difficult reality that requires exertion and effort. Uh, you know, when dealing with that reality, you know, if the person's internal state is in complete failure, then, you know, it creates like uh, the sense of spiritual suffocation. That individual, mm. if that person's constantly in a state of turmoil inside, I get into a fight with my spouse, I get into a fight with my parent, I, uh, I can't deal with my, uh, you know, draining reality at work, uh, I have no sense of spirituality in my relationship with Allah Azza wa Jal, I have all kinds of worries and doubts about what's in my tomorrow, um, you know, that type of heart will never be able to find peace, you know, um, you know, how can it find peace when it's loaded with that kind of tension, that spiritual tension, you know, so I guess, you know, that, that's, how, that's how I perceive it too. You know, it's a, it's a matter of perspective. You know, there's a nice quote by one of our Salaf, uh, you know, uh, that's like very deep for me, you know, shifting that perspective on those causes, quote unquote, of pessimism uh, or causes of despair in life. He says, um, uh, he was asked actually, Bima ta'rifu rabbak or Bima arafta rabbak. How have you become to know Allah Azza wa Jal? And his response was, You know, and um, what that means is, I got to know Allah Azza wa Jal from all those times where I found myself 
set on one thing and then I lost motivation from it and I found uh, myself redirecting uh, and, my and modifying my direction in life. Uh, there's a way to perceive uh, you know, those things. You could either see them as Allah directing you along the way in life or you could perceive them as failures and reasons for despair. Allah, I mean. I do want to, like, I, if I can just, again, just um, keep it spicy. Um, if I can push back a little bit on, on something that was said. Um, <clears throat> definitely as, as um, consistent states or deeper states, I can understand what you said, uh, Sheikh Yasin and Sheikh Hussain, that this is sort of a culmination of thoughts and feelings, like uh, of choices that you make. Uh, but you said it yourself, Sheikh Yasser, there are, there's a sense uh, from the religion, there's a sense of negative hope, there's a sense of positive hope, there's a sense of negative fear, there's a sense of positive fear. Um, and so sometimes our emotional states quite often actually are very much tied up to our circumstances. And, and I, I mean that initial emotional state, right? So, um, you know, I hear some negative, like the, the news that came out, the news that's going around the world right now about the some of the agreements political agreements being made vis-a-vis -vis Palestine for example right a person can feel a sense of frustration and despair naturally because the circumstances have changed to what our eyes can see to be more negative and you may feel like I don't know how we're going to change this um, and so there's definitely an, an a reality where the circumstances will impact you know what oh, I, yeah. what you feel and yeah, and yeah. that feeling may be positive at times it's not necessarily a negative thing like the Allah intends, I think, for us to feel those things. There's no doubt about it. We're human beings. We're not cyborgs. <laughs> you know, we... <laughs> I, I, I thought you were arguing that we're robots. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the Prophet, for example, when the Sahaba saw him uh, crying and tears were flowing from his eyes, hmm. when, uh, when his son Ibrahim died, uh, and he said, they said, Ma hadha, ya Rasulullah, like, what, what is, what's going on with your face? You know, it's, what's this? Um, and he said, in the, you know, uh, that these are tears, um, and these tears flow because of the reality. So the eyes shed tears, and um, and the, the heart the heart feels sadness, and we are we are pained and we are saddened by your 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 passing, yeah. your departure. So it, it's no doubt that. <clears throat> You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has wired us, if you will, in a way where we experience this world. Uh, we experience it viscerally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, physically. So, there, you know, our senses and our spiritual makeup and our spiritual anatomy obviously interact with the world. Now, my statement was more about, you know, the Prophet, he was sad and, uh, and, and that sadness was something that was real. Um, but the question is that the, the, the sadness that he experienced or felt with the passing of his son, did it now come to dictate him and control him and suffocate him and possess him? Uh, and, and did he, did he, did he obsess over the loss of his son? Did he never, did he continue to just talk about it? And was he devastated by the possibility of losing his son? And, and, and that's where I mean that it's more, it becomes more of a choice. And it's, it's not, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying people choose to be sad. I'm not, I'm not saying people choose to have anxiety. I know that we all 
those of us who get down, we suffer from some form of anxiety or sadness or, 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 or pain or worry or fear that it's, it's very often something that we, you know, we want it to be gone. <laughs> no one wants to be that way. So nothing of what I'm saying is to say like, oh, I can just choose to be happy and I'll be happy. Hmm. I'm not saying it in that very, um, you know, aloof vein. No, but what I am indicating is that the, 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 just as the inputs around me that I've, that I've consumed, for example, a loss, pain, politics, uh, uh, lack of friends, a, a good partner, bad partner, no marriage, marriage, etc. Just as those factors, I've, I've allowed them to animate those things that I really think about and talk about and process all the time. Okay. So you said, for example, it's, it's a negative, it's like, for, I'm not married and I really want to get married. So I spend all night and all day thinking about this mulling over this. Why am I not married? How come everyone else is married? How come this, am I ugly? Am I not good enough? Um, you know, and I, and I sit there and I mull over it and I, and I begin, I become very negative. I start to critique myself. Is there something wrong with me? Does Allah not love me? And so I put the idea of my lack of marriage central and I begin to just talk about it from every possible angle till it becomes uh, this possessive, obsessive thought that overwhelms me. What I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm considering is that, is that not a choice? Have I not made a choice to allow something that yes, everyone wants a meaningful, healthy relationship. No one should be shamed for wanting to, to, to have a good relationship. May Allah bless everyone with a healthy, beautiful marriage. Ya Rabbil Alameen. And, and I'm not, this is not to shame or to, or to castigate. This is just for us because I know a lot of us are suffering. I mean, I see it every day. Sheikh Osama sees it every day. I'm certain Zaid, you see it every day. And we, we recognize that, you know, is there a way out? I mean, I think that's where I would hope that we get at, at a certain point is how do I come out of this space? And I'm just trying to highlight in, in a little bit of a nuanced detail, the process of how we get into this very, very a dark place in our lives. And yeah, the circumstance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills that it arises and it exists. But the question is, is how do I react to it and then negotiate it and, and engage it uh, in a meaningful way rather than in a destructive way? I, I do, I do want to say, I think... And I might be wrong here, but I do think there's there's going to be at least a subset of the people who are listening, mm -hmm. who have gone through these moments in life, and they, they may not in their minds believe us when we say that this is a choice, right? Because sometimes that pathway of thought can be overwhelming, and it's it's uh, you know the nefs, um, you know one of the descriptions that our scholars have about the nefs is that it's like a child, right? It just keeps asking and pounding the same way, the same way, the same way. Um, and so it's very, I think a lot of us at times feel like these thoughts, it, it, like when I'm mehmoom, when I have a hem, when I have a worry that just is, is really big in my life, it doesn't feel like a choice that it's on the, it's on, it's right here in my brain. It won't leave. Right. Yeah. Um, it's there and maybe I can struggle against it, but it doesn't feel like a choice for it to be there. And I think a lot of people 
don't always struggle against it. And so it really does just feel, no, this isn't a choice. This is just the way I am. Like, I don't know what you well, that's, want but to that, do. So, so that's, and I agree a hundred percent. I, I, I understand that. I mean, we all go through at some degree. I mean, not, not, none of us are, are saints here, right? We all go through a, a, a moment where we, we get into a negative place, let's say in our minds. I and we feel floating. So <laughs> <laughs> we feel a little down about ourselves or our circumstances. There's no doubt that, you know, and you're right. I mean, it's it, it, the, 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 how I, how I'm, 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 I'm experiencing it makes it feel like this is something beyond my control. Now there's a very small percentage of people where technically that is the case. Technically, from a physiological perspective, they may genuinely have a chemical imbalance. And that's a minority, minority of people. That is the case. They just, they really, they need, they need external support to get them into that place. But the reason why I'm insisting on this notion that it is a choice, it is because of the fact that it is a choice. And I'm saying that not to uh, uh, insult or judge. I'm saying it to liberate us. Because you're 100% right. We assume that I have no control over this. I, my attitude, my feelings, my emotions, is just, it's an outer body experience. And I am the victim of, of, of these very toxic emotions. And so when I sit there and I look at myself, and that's why we feel really bad about ourselves. And we feel very bad for ourselves. And we get down on ourselves. And we, we you know, very often hate ourselves. And if I, if I don't realize that this, this sacred tradition, Islam, came to exit people from darkness into light. You know, when, when, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Did we not, you know, expand your chest? Nashrah. Because he, he had inqibad, he had tightness in his chest, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, uh, you know illuminated. And we removed that burden that was upon you, that was about to. And the burden that the Prophet that Allah is referring to is not a physical burden, it's not a social burden, it's not an economic burden. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a spiritual psychological, theological burden. You know, the Prophet ﷺ was, was searching for meaning. Right? So to duha, did we not find you seeking, so we guided you. Right? And so that, that, uh, uh, that seeking was all emotional, psychological, spiritual, uh, you know, uh, theological, so what I'm indicating is that because we have these minds, these minds are an avenue of nur. Imam Razi, when he talks about the idea of light upon light, nur ala nur, one of his explanations of nur ala nur is the light of intellect when it is a comp- when, when when the light of a, a, a revelation is shined upon it. So you have that the mind is 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 a source of light. And that the that that the, the, the uh, revelation, when when that when the light of revelation shines and the light of intellect, then it's it's light upon light. And so our minds are very capable 
of processing, thinking, synthesizing, making sense, and, and, and starting to push myself in the, in the realm of mind over matter, push myself, challenge myself, and begin to dictate myself, and my, by the self I mean all of it, to a different path. Am I saying it's easy? No. When I say it's a choice, I don't mean it's like a choice. Do you want a milkshake or do you want a soda? I don't mean it to that level. I mean, it's, it's, it's a process that I would have to now understand that exists. And I have to now choose to engage in the process. And I hope, inshallah, that that's where we start to synthesize together. Mm-hmm. The process that gets me to a point where I'm no longer stuck in the weeds of my thoughts stuck in the weeds of my emotions, that there is a, 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 a process and it may be a challenging process at times, but to get us there. And that's what I you know, mean by this being a choice, because if it's not a choice, by the way, then <laughs> what do we do? We just sit back, like, are we going to just all suffer for There's a lot of people suffering and it's not arbitrary right now, given the nature of the world that we live in, given the, 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 the nature of, of the philosophies that, that dominate uh, our public sphere, that so many people are anxiety-ridden, so, people, so many people are stressed out, so many people are, are, are depressed, right? Beyond the, the percentage of people who, who are dealing with genuine chemical imbalances, when it's become rampant within society, if every one of those people says, well, I don't have a choice over this, and this is just the way I am, so what we just are, are we all going to just live in, in, in our own individual prisons and hells? No, that's what I mean by it being a choice. I hope that clarifies it. Uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, on my end, I can empathize with someone who feels like they don't have a choice uh, because I like Sheikh Yasser said earlier, you know, it's really about how you position yourself. Uh, if one doesn't position themselves in a way where they can succeed it can very easily seem to them like there's no way out um and what i mean by that is you know um when someone just looks at his problems or her problems all together bunched together um and just you know goes through the process of characterizing each situation and each situation and and scenario and and not trying to think in that mindset well how can i break this down into smaller issues and tackle each one at a time and position myself in a way where i can get through this uh, if someone's telling me well you know uh i'm 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 struggling with an addiction and, um, you know, whatever, it's a drug addiction or a pornographic addiction or whatever, whatever it might be. Uh, and this person's situation is that their reality is constantly dragging them back into that addiction. Then their solution isn't just to make tawbah and pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, makes them better, a better person. That's not the way it works. You know, if this person's dealing with people who are constantly, uh, uh, you know, supporting that addiction, fueling that addiction inside him, then obviously his reality is not going to change. Her reality is not going to change. The, obviously, it's going to be like a vicious cycle. Uh, if that person 
doesn't get to that point where sometimes, sometimes you know, even for people who don't have issues, uh, you know, uh, some chemical imbalances, sometimes a person needs outside advice, consultation, how to process things because they might reach a point where they really fail to see how to, and that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ You know, uh, so if I just try to deal with my problems head on, all by myself, without breaking them down into a smaller, smaller um, uh, scenarios and situations and try to tackle one at a time and position myself to succeed, well then, of course, I'm going to get to that point of ajz. That's what the dua mentions, by the way. Allahumma an ya'udhu, I like to usually mention this uh, dua, um, uh, the hadith that actually mentions it, the you know the dua that everyone knows, oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from grief and concern. Uh, right after mentioning grief and concern, the Prophet would seek refuge in Allah from ajz, uh, from a feeling of inability or disability and laziness. Um, the rest of the dua uh, of uh, being overwhelmed by debt and over uh, and subjugated by others. Um, the, the, the beginning of the hadith actually starts with the Prophet وسلم, seeing one of the companions sitting in the masjid in a state, in a very gloomy state, you know, a very sad state. So he says to him, Mali araka fil masjid, jalisan fil masjid fi ghayri waqt salah. So the companion responds, I'm overwhelmed by concerns and, and I'm overwhelmed by debt. So the Prophet وسلم, tells him, Do you want to learn words? That if you say them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will relieve you of those concerns. And Allah will assist in the repayment of your debts. Well, you know, I said, when I said this on the khutbah one time, I was like, you know, one of the people came afterwards and asked, you know, how on earth is a dua going to help you repay your debts? The way you repay your debt is by going making money and paying the person back. That's how you repay your debt. Uh, but the response to this is the point of the dua is taysid al-asbab is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, uh, helping you get to that state of mind. It's about a state of mind, positioning yourself to succeed. You know, Allah alam, yani. Uh. And I, I, I mean, uh, you know, so the, the, idea of, the idea of it being a choice, like when, when, I, when, I look at, um, when I look at someone like Sayyidina Omar, right? Who he was before Islam, um, very painful thing to read, you know, when you read the, the, the seerah of Sayyiduna Umar and you see his behavior and his conduct and his disposition and, and everything that he was before Islam. And then, you know, the transformation that occurred with, uh, with guidance, with hidayah, with the Quran, with the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That shift and, and, and him going from becoming the protege he was the protege of the likes of Abu Jahl and he was known for his absolute harshness and his blunt nature and um, very vicious to becoming known amongst the companions for his justice and his mercy for his just nature and his merciful nature very tender very caring very loving very merciful you know how did that transformation happen and so when, I, when I'm saying it's a choice, and I'm going to kind of insist on this word a little bit, is because I want us to be liberated with the possibility. Like there has to be a, 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 an entryway into me coming into a different way of living. And I, 
and I and I and I do claim, you know, for all of us, that there's a different way for me to live other than the way that I'm living right now. If any of you who've written yourselves off, who doubt that you can ever, you know, break out of this this mindset or this mentality or this approach or this this the way that I live right life now, no, there is a way to 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 change. And 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 that's and, and knowing that at least gives me some hope, right? Because I feel a lot of, a lot of the, the de- very destructive despair comes when I, I come into an, a, a notion that there is no hope. Like I just can't change. No, there is, change is very possible. And I have to, I have to choose to be committed to the path of change. It's going to be hard, <clears throat> going to be challenging, because I have to go up against my nefs now, right? I have to go up against my habits. You know, let me ask you a question. All of us, all of us, Mawlana Sheikh Usama, Ustaz Zaid, when you've been down and, and, and you call someone that you love and respect, an elder, a mentor, a sheikh, and you tell them, hey, listen, I'm going through this, and you're completely down and out for the count, right? And, and they talk to you and you talk to them and, and you listen to their thoughts and they're, or you listen to a lecture online that really touched you. Doesn't your attitude change and your mood change? And don't you feel different? Don't you feel relief? You know, don't you feel like, okay, I'm, you know, that I really need to talk to someone and I, I really appreciate you listening to me. And, or that lecture really touches me. Or every time I'm feeling a little bit down, there's this one clip that I really like to listen to because it just kind of changes my mood or, isn't that a choice? Like, isn't that a choice? And that choice did not result in change. Now, imagine if that choice becomes a standard. I choose to make that, that approach my standard. Because a lot of us, we default, like our default has become beat myself up, think negatively, hate myself, hate my circumstances, you know, cry over what I have and what I don't have and what I wish to have, etc. And then the, the exception becomes the choice to go in and try to get myself out of that by talking to this person or listening to that person or listening to a lecture, going to a conference, feeling really good for a weekend, but then going back into my own old routine. And I just, I live there and, and it's, it's the same negative stuff that I've been suffering from for years. So I, 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 want, I, I would love to know for myself, no, yeah, I, you, you may be living in a very painful place, but there is a pathway. Yeah. That pathway is real and it exists. And no, you no, know, no. Or, when the Prophet mm-hmm. said, um, go ahead, actually, let me, let me no, just no, no, uh, no, go for it, please. Jump in, uh, Zaid, please jump in. Sheikh um, Hussam is going. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, you know, I guess to that effect, Mawlana Sheikh said, uh, uh, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, I think it just requires that the individual doesn't give up too quickly on the situation. You know, um, when they speak about spiritual exercise, they describe how uh, certain spiritual realities within uh, take time to develop. Uh, I think, you know, in our reality, we're used to quick fixes. You know, I, you know, everything needs to happen immediately. Like I'm used to everything, such a fast paced life. Uh, and, you know, when there's anything that hinders that, 
uh, you know, speed of the fulfillment of the things I want, uh, it causes a sense of frustration. You know, these types of things, especially when we're speaking about emotional states and, you know, concepts like hope and despair, and we're saying culmination of events and choice, and I should say even choices, you know, it's a spiritual, it's, a, it's, it's, it's part of spiritual exercise. Terbiya uh, ruhiya. Uh, uh, I might work towards a solution and that solution might only come after months or after years. Uh, but if I'm never willing to endeavor that path because I make one effort or two efforts, three efforts, I don't see results. And that said, I just give up. Uh, I, I think that's also part of the problem. So I, I want to just make a quick comment from the opposite side. And then I want to ask a couple of questions uh, to, to move the conversation to a different direction. And we did get a couple of questions through the chat, which I'll get to, inshallah, um, in a little bit. Um, but, you know, uh, back to Sheikh Yasser's point, I mean, Sheikh Hussam touched on it too, right? Sometimes I found in my life, uh, it's not listening to a clip or a desk, but there are certain people that Allah has blessed me with, uh, like having relationships with. And they have no clue that they do this for me. But there's such like strong positive personalities like i've i've never se- i've never seen them despair ever right like they're always no matter how bad a situation is immediately like, like they'll they'll take it in and like definitely without a doubt there's a hikmah of allah and i'm just going to do x right and so quite often i'll, I'll when i really am struggling uh, with the way i feel internally i may call this person up or go visit them and i'll just just speak to them openly for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I just need to hear them and be around them. And I feel uplifted. I actually feel silly. Like, you know what? I can't believe I was so like negative for so long. Let me just get back to it and, and working. So the, the opposite point that I want to make is that many of us can be that. Per- this person has no idea that they do this for me. I've never told them that I've come to speak to you just because I need to get uplifted. Um, but so all of us, I think, can be that for people in our lives. Uh, if we're able to develop sort of a positive strength, right? Where like you, you and, and there's, you know, there is conversation about this in our tradition, but there are people that when you're around them, they just kind of remind you of Allah, they uplift you um, and, and you don't, they don't know it and you don't, they don't intend it. It's just, it's just sort of like a part of the aura um, of, of what Allah puts around them. Um, and so try to be that. I think the, the more we can be positive, the more we can be that for other people, you might uplift someone without actually knowing it. So I, I want to do take a quick step back because we said a couple of things before that I want to just make sure we 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 clarify, um, and then I want to continue down the the conversation about synthesizing this process out of despair. Um, there is a sense of good hope and bad hope, which I'll, I'll ask about later, and good fear and bad fear, which I'll ask about later. I, I just want to clarify: is there any positive sense of despair religiously? Like, does does Islam have any sense of despair? That is positive. I think it's when you despair in things. <laughs> you know, Imam mm-hmm. Abu uh, Imam Ibn less secondary, he has a, uh, a hikmah where he says, mm-hmm. um, You know, when when I when I start to when I start to, and I, and I think this wisdom of Ibn Atayillah really does um, help frame a, a, a more productive disposition in life in general. What he's basically saying is, listen, 
um, when you when you uh, um, when you allow yourself and you you choose to become disillusioned with things, or you despair from things, or you you kind of detach yourself from certain things, then you become free of those things, right? I have an expectation that I'm 30, for example, or I'm 40, and I should have a home, and I should have a, a family. I have that expectation, and that expectation imprisons me, and I become enslaved to that expectation. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm well into my uh, you know, uh, later years, and I have an expectation that I should have a relationship with my children that looks like this, or I should have grandchildren, I should have a home that looks like this, where I can, you know, spend time with my kids and my grandkids. And I have that expectation. So if, if, if I, if I hold on to that expectation in a way that is blameworthy, meaning I become enslaved by that idea in a way that it imprisons me and shackles me, right. Then, 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 then I become the servant of that thing. And, and that thing becomes my master that whips me and constantly attacks me because it's just a painful experience because it's just not happening. It's not there. So if I, if I, if I'm detached and I free myself and I actually begin to have despair in that expectation. Now by despair here, I mean that I, I choose to no longer surrender myself to this idea. Yes, I, I pursue it meaningfully. If it comes, Alhamdulillah, if it doesn't, khair, and that becomes that that's a pathway towards freedom. And 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 I and I, I think a very practical measure that all of us can take in life is where we start to think to ourselves and actually take a notepad and write this stuff down. What are the things, all the things that I'm genuinely attached to? And those things can be material things, those things can be ideas. Those things can be thoughts. Those things can be uh, desires. Write them down and, and, and really assess, is this something that this, this thing, whatever that thing is, whether it's a tangible or material or immaterial, do I control it or does it control me? Mm. And the amount of things that control me will, will show me how how much of a slave and a uh, uh, you know and an imprisoned slave i actually am right so there is meaningful types of of i would call despair if you want to use that word but it happens when i choose to no longer place value on things the way that i have in the in the past so i don't are you trying I, to say I, that it's like I'm I'm gonna despair in the fact that these things can give me what I think they'll give me. Exactly, is that, is that, that what the amen means? Precisely. So okay. Yeah, these things, because listen, happiness and wellness is not attached to things. Happiness and wellness is, you know, uh, the Prophet Sallallahu said very clearly, ليس الغنى عن كثرة العرض. You know, uh, 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 wealth is not 
uh, how much, how many things I have, how many things I've amassed, not just material things, things in general, friends, people, whatever, relations, status. It's not about, that's not what ghina is. That's not what wealth is, to have a lot. ولكن الغنى غنى النفس is when I have a wealthy soul hmm. that I am غني بالله سبحانه وتعالى that Allah حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل that Allah سبحانه وتعالى suffices me that I am I am only that's why you know if you notice لا يأس من روح الله إلا القوم الكافرون like the, those those who despair in Allah are those who reject Allah because the reason why Allah is so harsh about this question, if you want to use those words, the question of despairing in Allah is because Allah basically gives us no reason to despair in Him. He gives us every reason to hope in Him, every reason to love Him, every reason to trust Him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is really so generous with how He communicates to us, the promises that He makes, the guarantees, the pathways, the options, you know, the prayers, the worships, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us, you know, it, it gives us basically, if I'm trying to lose weight and like I can't get on the, the, the keto fad, but I can do this diet, whatever that's more reasonable because I, it gives me, allows me to eat some carbs or whatever. I don't know. I have like four, five, six diets that I can choose from. Whereas in the divine realm, there are endless options to choose from to, to find wellness to come into that space of genuine wellness. Allah is so, and, and we can talk endlessly about the mercy and the, and, and the generosity and, and the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with us. Mm-hmm. And especially, especially in the space of Allah giving us things to do to free ourselves. That's why, you know, Rabbi ibn Amr said, Jitna li al-ibad min al-ibad ila al-ibad. We came to really liberate people. From the worship of servants to the worship of the creator of servants. You know, this, uh, and this the stuff. Lord of servants. And from the oppressive like, and overwhelming nature of the pathways, the, philo- the philosophies of, our, of this world, the man-made philosophies of the, this world, they're all painful. They're all oppressive. They're all debilitating in some way. And those are the philosophies that govern and animate the majority of people today. So it came to, to bring you into the, 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 the just and balanced nature of Islam. And from the constricted, like tight quality of the dunya to the extent, to the endlessness and the vastness of the afterlife. So Islam literally comes and Islam as an internalized belief and a lived reality in terms of how I practice, how I think, what I say, it comes to do inshirah. It brings me from darkness into light. It, 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 it liberates me, it relieves me, right? That's what that, you know, if they were to imprison me, Ibn Taymiyyah said, then my, but my, my heaven's in my heart. You know what, what the, the statement that you mentioned from Ibn Atta'illah is, extremely nuanced because m- most people don't experience or think about despair in that way i actually thought you were going to say no there is no positive despair that's what i thought you were going to say uh it's an extremely nuanced perspective like it actually took me a few minutes mm. of contemplating it because like well I, you know it's like this because despair has such a negative connotation like it's it's 
it's almost always experienced in a way that makes me feel bad. Yeah. Um, and, and so like what, what I'm understanding you saying is you should give up hope in the fact that anything other than Allah will give you what you want. So some, like anytime you promise yourself or someone promises you that this dunya can give you something, you should say, I've given up hope in the dunya. And that's the only despair that will give you freedom and positivity. 100%. Other than that, that despair, despair, other than that, will give you negativity. Yeah, because, I mean, if you think about it, when we went through why despair occurs, it's because I have, I have hope in things that are going to mean something for me. Those things are not happening. Therefore, I am in despair, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I hope that I get married. And when I get married, things are going to change. I hope that if I just get into this school, I mean, listen, we're, we were all there at some point. If I just get into this school, if I just get do good on my SITs, if I just get into this college, if I just get into this job, if I just get this like certification, if I just, if I just, we have all these, if I just, and we, we have to learn that by now, if I just means nothing, it, there is no, if I just have, if I just receive. There is only, there is only Like say, I believe in Allah and then just be on that path. And whatever then, whatever, whatever happens in the dunya happens. I'll share this hadith of, and and I know Sheikh Usama is itching to to jump in here, but Hakim ibn Hizam he came to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he says, uh, I asked him for, to give me something. So he gave me. Then I asked him, he gave me. Then I asked him, then he gave me. Then he said, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ya Hakim, O Hakim, this money, it's, it's green, it's nice, right? It's sweet. Money, it's nice. It's a nice thing to have. فَمَنْ أَخَذَهُ بِطِيبِ نَفْسٍ بُورِكَ لَهُ The one who takes it with a generous spirit, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless it for him or her. Okay, so this money, this, and, and then you can extrapolate from that, anything of risk that comes your way, it's a nice thing. We all want things. We all want nice things. Man those who take it biltibi nafs, then Allah will bless it for them. But then he said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam conversely, biltibi nafs is I take things with a very generous spirit. So hmm. hey, uh, Zaid shows up. Hey, by the way, I, I got you this gift. Oh, mashallah, jazakallah khair, barakallahu fikum. I've always wanted. You know, a pencil holder. I appreciate it so much that you, brought you know, this beautiful, you know, thing that I can use in my home. I, I'm, I'm so touched by the fact that you would even think to bring me something. You know, now I have, you know, this, I can organize my pencils and, and mashallah, you came out of your way just to, to bring me this. And, and I feel so genuinely blessed and graced to have this, this thing. It may be large. I mean, I'll give you an example of, uh, you know, just in this vein, I mean, but I had, there was a, there was an elder here in Boston who passed away, Justice Ismail Lahir, and he had such a generous spirit and he gave so, and, and every time he would see me, he would give me something. 
and I and and by thing, I literally mean he would give me things. Like I, I want to see if I have anything around me here in my office, but you know, he would come and he would bring me the smallest things. Like he brought me once, wallahi Zaid, he brought me once, you know the hospital socks? You know the the, the socks that they give in the hospital? He was in the hospital once and he got out of hospital. He wanted to give me a gift. He gave me the socks, like those socks. He gave it to me as a gift. And and he just so generous, always giving, 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 give me a ruler once. Give me a ruler, just a ruler. Wallahi, like just a ruler. Sometimes you give me a mushaf, sometimes you give me an old book that he has. Sometimes you give me a paper with a piece of dua on it. But just a generous soul, giving, giving, giving. And in the beginning, I'd be like, what? Like, Zakumlachir, uncle, like, you know. But then I realized, like, this is ni'mah. I mean, such a blessing to have these things, right? So taking things nafs is you just feel like, alhamdulillah for this, whatever it is. Conversely, however, the Prophet ﷺ says, مَنْ أَخَذَهُ بِإِشْرَافِ نَفْسِ لَمْ يُبَارَكْ لَهُ فِيهِ وَكَانَ كَالَّذِي يَأْكُلُ وَلَا يَشْبَعَ And Imam Al-Nawawi, when he explains what is ishraf nafs, what does this mean? He says, إِشْرَافُ النَّفْسِ تَطَلُّعُهَا إِلَيْهِ وَطَمْعُهَا فِيهِ Like, so I'm looking at this, that whatever may come to me, right? Whatever possibly may come to me. And I'm looking for it. And I'm looking at it. And I'm analyzing it. And I'm seeking it. And I'm thirsting for it. And, and how come it how come hasn't come to me yet? And, and, and I really, really need it. And I really desire it. And so I have this, I have this, you know, like the hyena that's looking at the dead carcass. And it's like, like, you know, so hyper-focused on getting to that dead carcass. And that's ishrafi nafs and trying to get whatever it can get from it. So that, th- th- there's a disposition of tibi nafs and there's a dif- disposition of ishrafi nafs. One makes it that I experience life very generously, very simply. Very, like, literally, you know, feather over the ocean. The other one makes it that I'm experiencing everything as if I'm going against, against tidal waves every day. Like, here is this wave, and I'm going right into the face of the wave. And it's, it's really a matter of how I choose to, to experience the risk that Allah is sending my way. Because, listen, regardless, the risk is coming. Regardless, whatever, you know... That which is going to come to you will never not come to you, will never miss you. And that which is meant to miss you will never come to you. So, and, and you and I, by the way, have no choice in that matter, you know, in terms of what's going to, what, what I'm going to get. Listen, I can work until I'm blue in the face to become a billionaire. Whether or not I become a billionaire is fully a function of divine will, right? And, and, and it doesn't mean that I should, I should not, you know, do meaningful things. No, I should be productive and do meaningful things every day. But whatever is going to come to me has already been written, it was written when I was in the womb. So I can either be a very joyous passenger on the, uh, on the ride of divine decree. And just like, alhamdulillah, everything that comes by, alhamdulillah, khair, ni'mah. I remember, Sheikh Hussam, I'm sure you remember this when we were in Egypt. You got into some cabs. And like the cab driver is really difficult to deal with, but then you get into some other cab drivers and they, they genuinely mean it. Like whatever you give them, they take and they say, Alhamdulillah, Rida. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rida. 
والله you give them five pounds, you give them ten pounds, rida. عاوز أكتر لا الحمد لله رضا. You want more than that? No رضا الحمد لله. That's طيب نفس. إشراف نفس is like إذا إذا ليه؟ طب طب عيالي my kids who's gonna feed my kids؟ مش عارف إيه وأنت سعدت البي وكذا 10 جنيه حرام عليك. I'm doing it. <laughs> you get into that. Like, and they start like, you know, and, and nothing's, ne- and that's the thing. Ishraf nafs means like nothing is ever good enough. I get every, I mean, every single one of us is eating every day, alhamdulillah. Every single one of us is drinking every day, alhamdulillah. Every one of us has a place to sleep every single day, alhamdulillah. We literally are well bifadlillahi ta'ala. And if any of us who are listening do not have a place to sleep or do not have a bite to eat, please, wallahi, genuinely reach out to us. But if that's your reality, then as the Prophet says, you have the entirety of the dunya. There's nothing else that's needed. So I objectively, I objectively don't need anything else. According to the Prophet, an asbaha aminan. I have those three things. I have everything that I, that I, I, not everything that I need, by the way. I have the entirety of the dunya. Because objectively now, when it comes to the question of despair and hope and, wallahi, wallahi, wallahi. And please, you know, take this to the bank. Wallahi, we only need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahi, that's the case. I mean, but with a capital N, I only need Allah. Uh, you know, I need my brother Zaid with a lowercase n. I need Sheikh Usama with a lowercase n. I don't need them. Like meaning that I am going to self-destruct if I don't have them. No, I don't need them like that. But I need them as brothers with a lowercase n. I, I you know, I, I, I need them in their, in their mahabba and their mawadda. Yeah, with a lowercase n. But if my, if my brothers are gone, if I, if I don't have them in my life, am, am I done for? No, that's the, that's the critical question. Like, what do I need? That's why Sayyidina Adam, Sayyidina Ibrahim, when Jabil came to him in the fire, and he said, what, you know, what can I do for you? He said to him, from you, nothing but Allah wa ni'mal wakil. Allah is sufficient for me. And that's, that's a place that we, we should all aspire to get to. You know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be enslaved by my kids anymore, because a lot of us were enslaved by our children. Like, where's my kid gonna go? What, what's gonna happen to them? Are they gonna become good Muslims? Are they gonna be muwaffaqin? Are they gonna get into good schools? Are they gonna have good jobs? Are they gonna marry good uh, people? Are they gonna have good children? And it's, 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 it's meaningful to an extent to care about those things, but most often, most people they go far beyond what's meaningful. Meaning, I become imprisoned and enslaved by the idea of my child's well-being. And I become possessed. I, you know, I lose sleep. I start to actually have despair in Allah because of the situation with my child. I, 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 I'm no longer, I can't, I don't even exist anymore functionally. I'm just, I'm like a moving corpse because of the nature of how my child treats me or is or whatever the case is. No, that's when it becomes blameworthy because you don't worship your child. That's why al-malu al-banuna fitna. We don't worship our children. Our children are not our masters. We are not enslaved to them. We should never be possessed by them or obsessed with them. That only belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyway, I'm very sorry. So, I went way too so long. Just a, just a quick point about uh, uh, Justice Ismail al I've, I've never met him. 
<laughs> and I and I only met I've only heard about him extensively uh, since his passing through Sheikh Yasser. Um, but I have one of his gifts in my house uh, because my sister-in-law lives in Boston and the community of Sheikh Yasser is an imam out there. And they came over one day, they drove down from Boston, they came with this massive printed out du'a in Arabic and English. And they gave it to us and I asked them, where is this from? And the only way they can explain it is that there's this uh, uncle in Boston who likes to give out gifts whenever we go visit him. And he gave us his gift. And so I have a du'a up on my refrigerator that I swear by Allah, we read whenever we're in the kitchen, we read it because the du'a is there for us. So Allah has blessed his, his gifts. I've never met the man, but I have a gift of his in my house. And it's a gift that reminds me of Allah SWT every time I read it, mashallah. Um, so Sheikh Yasser, with that answer, I guess started um, down that next question that I wanted to like continue down, which is what are... What are the steps that, that you know, we can sort of synthesize for people, as Sheikh Yasser was saying, of, of getting out of the position of despair? And I think what Sheikh Yasser was saying there was, um, you know, detach, the, the major point Sheikh Yasser made so far was detach yourself from the idea that anything that you want, any expectation you have is actually going to give you what you think it's going to give you. It's not going to give you that. Only Allah can actually give you the peace that you're looking for. So that's, that's one step that I think Sheikh Yasser was really trying to hit home is that every time you start to feel that despair, uh, stop and think about uh, what is this thing that I'm attached to? I think it's going to give me something that it's really not going to give me. Uh, what other steps you know, have we found in our lives or does the religion teach us that we should take when we begin to feel that sense of yes, that sense of despair? Um, and then I do, bef before we finish, I do want to get to some of the questions I was asked in the chat. So uh, you know, I, I may cut you short at a certain point to get to those questions. I don't want the brothers and sisters who ask their questions to be uh, ignored. But if, if we can sort of continue down this, this answer uh, so that we kind of tie it off for everyone and then I can move on to some of the other questions, inshallah. So Sheikh Hussain, would you what would you add to that answer? Like what other steps can a person take to, to get themselves out of a state of despair? Um, yeah, so Bismillah. Uh, so I, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of the basics that we normally give when we uh, address the community, uh, or when we're giving, when we're you know giving someone counsel, um, apply here as well. And I, I really think that um, you know this one, uh, you know, we've already addressed in a previous meeting point, but I think it never really gets old. That reminder of just you know making yourself be a person who has a willingness to seek advice to get counsel for from someone else i think that's a very important part of getting out of that mindset because like i said you know sometimes it's a vicious cycle a lot of these problems turn into vicious cycles um uh, whether it's a problem within or a problem at home and you know as, as seriously i think many people because it's a vicious cycle and it's just constantly repeating itself uh can feel that sense well i don't know what to do all right, fine. I'm supposed to be hopeful, and I, I I just don't know what to do. You know, like I I hit a brick wall. I'm I'm supposed to be this optimistic, uh, positive person at home, but for some reason, every time I go home, it's just constant turmoil. The the other, uh, you know, people in the house, uh, the siblings, parents, spouses, whatever they might be, just do everything that could possibly throw me off my game and get me back into that pessimism and I just don't know what to do. So at that point, like th that type of uh, situation 
sometimes you just need someone to help you view it from the outside, uh, from an impartial lens. Because sometimes when you're in the heat of a situation, uh, the, there's a certain bias in the way that I'm processing things, uh, the way that I'm magnifying things or underestimating the impact of certain things. So I, I you know, I think for starters, uh, getting out of that, you know, position of despair and trying to position yourself uh, to be a more optimistic person, a more hopeful person, requires that willingness to consider that maybe I don't have all the answers. And it's not something that's easy to do. You know, I was talking about this in the khutbah today, uh, uh, you know, partially. Um, uh, that you know, uh, you know, part of what made, or actually, it was the Khatir yesterday. I'm sorry. Uh, part of what uh, uh, made the message of our beloved Prophet Sallallahu um, you know, was the fact that it was a message of radical change for the individual and for society. Hmm. And change requires a great deal of courage. Uh, and you know, it takes a great deal of courage for me to look at myself in the mirror and say, you know what? Well, maybe I, maybe I just don't know how to fix this. Maybe I'm not the person to fix this. You know, uh, maybe, uh, you know, uh, I'm actually the element that's making this problem a whole lot worse. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it takes a lot of courage. So I think, that, you know, I don't want to take too much time, but uh, I think that's one factor, uh, you know, helping or uh, seeking, so, seeking someone to help you piece things together uh, is a critical part of it. And I think the other advices of our scholars for uh, that generally apply also apply here. Um, like um, uh, the one, one of the hikam of, uh, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Sheikh Yasser, it's uh, one of the hikam of Ibn Ata' uh, is Allah Just, you know, um, what you see and hear what you surround yourself really fuels those emotions inside, you know, for better or for worse, you know, and you really need to, that's, that's sometimes as part of the solution is, you know what, maybe perhaps the reason why uh, I have such a toxic presence in my home, uh, you know, is because I'm always surrounded with toxicity for the rest of my day. And the only thing I go home with is toxicity. You know, maybe I need to change my surroundings. Um, and then the other advice is, for someone who is dealing with something that's just weighing him down, weighing her down, is that that idea of um, uh, that they, they say that Allah Masaa Muhammad, illam tushgul nafsaka bil bil baqil. If you don't consume yourself with truth or replace that with another word with positive positivity or replace it with another word with um, good things uh, then uh, then you will be consumed by falsehood there's no way that I can break out of some of those vicious things that can derail me if I am not consuming myself with positivity Allah mm. I also, I mean, Barakallah Fiqh, Sheikh, I want to, I want to expand on one portion of what you said, which is um, controlling what we expose our senses to. Um, I, and I think like uh, some people may hear that and think like, okay, I just, I don't want to take in toxic negativity, but I have to say, I do think the culture of the country and the culture of the online discussion um, is overwhelmingly hyperbolic 
and extreme these days in both, like in both ways, right? So if, if you're consuming online content, news and social media all the time, you begin to actually think only in extremes. So something is either amazing and the best ever, or something is so horrible and just it, it's, it's, it's a disaster. And there's no in between. And most parts of life are away, are very much not either one of those extremes. It's just, it's a, it's a prick of a thorn or it's a, a slight positive thing. And so I, I think what Sheikh Hussam is talking about goes beyond just like, I have to surround myself with some positive thoughts, like, oh, you're a champion or you're good. I have to put on some motivational video on YouTube. I, I think, you know, be, be, there, there's more to it. Like you, you want to control the things that impact the way you think. Um, and a lot of times that is putting yourself around people of intelligence, people of wisdom, people of patience and peace, um, and people who have some real bad, like some have gone through some reality in life, right? Not, not people who just deal with hypothetical, hyperbolic nonsense online. And people who have actually built a life for themselves and have gone through the ups and downs and can tell you when something's real. And most of the time when something's really not that important that you have to give it that much thought. Um, I don't know if Sheikh Yasser or Sheikh Hussain no, would want to I, add I, other I, steps. I just wanted to emphasize, you know, it, it's a it's a very it's a very simple um, equation. You know, um, it's all about what I standardize and what I habituate myself towards. If 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 I become someone who is busy um, in 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 khir in 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 goodness, right? I um, I really uh, make it a, a point of, of urgency and a critical concern of mine to wake up for Fajr and to pray uh, my salah on time and properly, to really give it its due right, to make my wudu, to pray my sunnah, to do my athkar, um, to sit down, to do my you know, istighfar, uh, to do that with intentionality. You know, when, when, when we hear um, that it is in the remembrance of Allah that the hearts find tranquility. And then, you know, on that same thread in the, in the, in, in the question of dhikr, right? If Allah, if we're being told that the only way your heart finds itma'inan, you know, peace and, and, and a sense of tranquility is in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then on the same token, we're told, uh, that, your, that your tongue always have to, has to be moist in the remembrance of Allah. So some, some of us, we doubt the first statement because we're like, well, that's not a reality. Like, I'm sorry, but that's more theoretical. It's something flowery speech that the Mashaykh say on the mimbar, but it, it's not like a reality. It's not lived. I mean, no, no, one, no one that I know has actually experienced that. <laughs> Um, but how exactly the problem Sheikh Hussain is bringing up? <laughs> no different people. <laughs> yeah, and so but 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 to the second element of that coin, like, am I someone who purposefully and thoughtfully and intentionally makes dhikr every single day, yeah. and that I do it cons con consistently, um, and I do it in the morning and the evening, because. I can't, I can't just, you know, wish these things into reality. They have to be willed into reality through action, through productive behavior. I can't just wish that I'm better. I can't wish that I'm healthier. I can't wish that I lose weight. I have to actually do 
the things required to get me there. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a simple equation. That's why it's, 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 um, it's, it, I want, I want us to realize, I know it feels like the darkness is so overwhelming. And, but I also want us to realize, and, and that feeling and the experience of how we feel the darkness, I know is very real. And we feel saturated and just bleak. But I'm also indicating that the exit from that darkness is the equivalent of turning on the light switch. And I know how you know, dismissive that sounds. And, and I forgive me if you feel like I'm dismissing. But wallahi... I'm not saying that other than to help liberate me to realize it's just a matter of knowing where that light switch is so that I can actually find the relief of, because it's, it's, you know, the, the ulama, when they talk, they tell us about spiritual purification wellness, it's a process of takhliya and tahliya. I have to rid myself of things. I have to rid myself of bad habits. I have to rid myself of bad thoughts. I have to rid myself of those things and I have to proactively beautify myself with objectively beautiful things. Yeah. You know, it's La ilaha illallah Muhammadun Rasulullah. So you say, La ilaha is takhliya. And then I have to affirm, I have, so I have to rid myself of all the expectations, all the things that I worship, all the things that I, you know, you know rely on or depend on or everything in my life that I assume is the cause of my pain or my suffering. You know, it's because of my circumstances at home that my life is hell. No, my circumstances at home are the will and the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now I have to realize that Allah empowers me with the choice to see like, okay, how am I going to deal then with my circumstances at home? What am I going to do when people are sleeping in my home? How am I going to find moments of seclusion in my home where I go to my bedroom close the door, pick up the Qur'an, spend time in dhikr and ibadah. How am I going to look at the fact that my, my family is the way that they are? And so I now choose to not look at them hoping or expecting or assuming that they shouldn't be the way they are and they should change. And I want my parents to be different from what they are or I want my siblings or I want my children to be different and they should be different. And I don't know why they're not different to say, you know what? That's just the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm going to do my best to be a good, you know, family member. But who they are, إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ Prophet's great. one of his greatest enemies was his uncle. You know, wouldn't you, and, and in, this is in a tribal society where like, you know, family members would may, maybe hate each other, but you never turned on your tribe. For, for Abu Lahab to turn on his nephew in the tribal society is... Almost unimaginable, but he turned on him. The Prophet said, "I'm become possessed or consumed. Like, hey, out of everyone, how come you, my own uncle? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just it's it's the way Allah wills and decrees the nature. And we spoke about the nature of the dunya a few sessions ago. Yeah. So it's a process of tahli and tahliya. And I'll close with this, just so that because I've been meaning to say this. There's a statement that we make." Very often in our in our gatherings, we say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not hold us accountable for our thoughts. And I'm gonna this may be me dropping like a little bit of a, a, a you know a, 
I don't want to say the word bomb because it's a you know dangerous word to say in the Muslim space. You're but fragging out, you're throwing the grenade and throwing and walking <laughs> away. Yeah. I don't want to say and walk away, but I'm gonna say this, and maybe we'll if if it needs clarification, we'll explore it further next time. We always say Allah does not hold us accountable for our thoughts. I want to challenge that statement. I don't I don't think that statement is absolute. All right. I don't think it's an absolute statement. And I know we say it because we want to uh, uh, um, appease an aspect of ourselves, which is like, well, I have these bad desires or thoughts and I don't act upon them. Okay. So therefore, like, I'm not accountable for those thoughts. I, uh, and, and I'm, I'm actually given reward for not doing the particular sinful act. That's good. That agreed, agreed, agreed. But in our, in our spiritual literature, there's a whole discourse around khawatir, yeah. around thoughts, yeah. and how we indulge thoughts and entertain thoughts and engage thoughts. And they play a critical role in our spiritual and theological well-being. So because we, 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 we make statements and we don't realize that their implications are pretty large hmm. and thoughts matter. And thoughts matter big time. And how we think and how we spend time thinking. You know, our, 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 our bal, it plays a huge role in my spiritual and theological wellness. And, you know, yeah, maybe we'll, we can get to a future time, but. We'll, we'll, we'll have to hash that one out and duke it out uh, in the future session. Um, I, I want to make one very quick comment. And then if you allow me, Sheikh Hussam, there is a question that was asked that I, I want to allow to be answered, if that's okay. Um, uh, before we wrap up. So the quick point I want to make, because it wasn't addressed yet, wasn't mentioned yet, is that sometimes I think people, um, not only do they feel a sense of darkness about where they are, but uh, they're, they're held back from being hopeful because they believe that if I've made this mistake already in the past, there's no way for me to come out of it later. Like I am going to be defined by the mistakes that I've already made. And, and I'll just very quickly say that uh, like categorically the sunnah of the Rasulullah in the Quran of Allah SWT rejects that notion you are never defined by the mistakes of your past so long as you have life and you have breath you have an opportunity to completely remake those those bad decisions and those bad actions into good ones through toba and, and amal salih um, but i do want to get to this question um, there's a question that came through i don't know what khunu'a is so i i asked in arabic for that reason um, but this is one of the questions that one of the brothers asked uh, through the chat that I think does relate. So what what is the difference between contentment and khunu' and istislam or or uh, submitting oneself to the will of Allah SWT? Uh, no, please. I spoke a lot. <laughs> I don't think rida and istislam, you know, I guess, you know, usually when we say um, uh, what do you call it? Khunu. Uh, uh, there's a certain connotation of madalla that's attached to it. They say like khana'a. يعني إذا خضع بصورة مذلة. يعني. But you know, I guess when we're talking about khunu, uh, we often don't use that term terminology uh, with our relationship with Allah Azza wa Jal. We use the term rida and istislam. Um, and the reason why that is, is, you know, even though the abd is the or al-abd, 
uh, that sense of dhilla isn't actually a sense of mahana. And what I mean by that is, so you have dhilla, uh, which is a sense of humility uh, and humble submission before Allah Azza wa Jal. But that humble submission, that humility with Allah doesn't, um, uh, you know, manifest in a, a, a very degrading image for the abd. There's a verse in the Quran that says, mm-hmm. Whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes to be humiliated, none can give honor, <coughs> sense of honor to. So the villa of the abd towards Allah Azza wa Jal actually gives him a sense of ma'azza. Mm-hmm. There's as a part of a hadith mentions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not increase a abd with a sense of dhul and humility before him except izz. So khunu' this is like when you're talking about cowardice uh, with uh, um, human relationships with each other, uh, not with the abd's relationship with Allah Azza wa because he is the one who is al mustahiq al izza. You are the fuqara, you are the absolutely dependent. And then Rida and Istislam, you know, I'm sure they'll draw a difference. There's a strong connection between them, but in the books of Tazkiyah, of course, they're two different maqams. So there's a sense of Rida, which is contentment, and Istislam, which is submission. You know, our submission is characterized. With uh, with rida, uh, with contentment, but they're two different stations. Another word um, uh, is 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 to be qanua, not khanua, but qanua. And qanaa is 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 language that the Prophet uses. He says, "Qad aflaha man aslama wa ruzika kafafan wa qanaa bima ata." You know, the the successful one is the one that surrenders. And um, is is given what suffices them, and qanaahullahu bima atah, and Allah subhanahu wa taala made them accepting, um, and 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 you know satiated with what Allah has given them. So you know qanaa is uh, and, and qanaa is the pathway towards liberation. Rida is a pathway towards liberation. Istislam is a pathway towards liberation. But I would say that istislam is a question of you know, surrendering. It's really like laying, it's, you know, it's like when I come to you and, and, you know, it's like, you're really like all up in arms and, and you're just like super, you're holding on to your thoughts, holding on to your commitments, holding on to your beliefs. And, you know, and then I tell you, you, you got to lower, you got to lower your arms. You got to lower your, your guns. You just got to surrender everything in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's, that's really what it's about is I have to just, I have to surrender everything to Allah. And then I have to be qanua and radi, you know, accepting and, and content with what with Allah's decree, with Allah's wish, with Allah's wills, with Allah's reality. That's what I have to be radi with. Wallahu There's another quick question. Is the nafs uh, one of Allah's creation? Yes, uh, the nafs is a creation of Allah. Everything in this uh, in this uh, dunya has been created by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. If there are follow-up questions to that, we can take them next time, inshallah. Barakallah fikum to Sheikh Hussam and Sheikh Yasser for spending the time with us today. Thank you to everyone who uh, stuck around live. Um, uh, And also, I just want to say, if anyone has any 
suggestions or like thoughts on things that they, you know, would love us to talk about uh, and to have conversations about, please do share them. You know, I think we could um, definitely benefit from, from knowing where a lot of your hearts and minds are. You can uh, message the Facebook page or you can text uh, the number that we have for the Q and a line and we'll get it there. Inshallah. Um, uh, We do have um, some, like a schedule of topics that we're, we're putting together um, and we may start doing some slightly different types of programs but we'll announce those as we get there inshallah uh, we ask that everyone please keep us in their du'a may Allah Sada accept this time from all of us may Allah Sada Ta'ala um, uplift the spirits of the ummah may Allah Sada Ta'ala make us all people of extreme hope in him may Allah remove from our hearts any yes in his in his mercy and may Allah Sada make us people worthy of his love and people that love him and his prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reunite us or unite us with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa on the day when there's no shade but his and unite us with him again in the Firdaus al-A'la. Jazakumullah khair. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Wa alaykum as